do you celebrate your 70th Jubilee when your family is a mess? That's the question confronting Queen Elizabeth this week. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle will be there, but they'll be out of the spotlight, and that's on purpose. Elizabeth will meet her great-granddaughter, Lilbet, for the first time. The nearly one-year-old girl is named after her royal great-grandmother, but her parents are a concern, at least to some within Buckingham Palace. Many fear the couple will steal the spotlight from the aging queen, and that's why they won't be on the balcony at Buckingham on Thursday. That right is reserved for working royals. No doubt about it, the queen's celebration will be full of tension and drama. Broken families are a sad reality. Fame and riches are not enough to keep this fallen world at bay. But our relationship with Jesus will never be broken. Our divine King holds us in his nail-scarred hands. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, where we get to share the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a special series this week called God Save the Queen. All over the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, including Canada, they're celebrating Queen Elizabeth's 70-year reign and her 96th birthday this week. Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith. Now that is a full title, don't you think? It's quite long and majestic. But I think the last part, the Defender of the Faith, for many kings and queens, that has just been a title. They didn't really take their faith in God seriously, but we have been discovering this week that that's not the case for this servant queen and the faith she has in Jesus. Back in 1978, uh, the, the queen said in her Christmas broadcast, Christians have the compelling example of the life and teaching of Christ. And for myself, I would like nothing more than my grandchildren should hold dear to his ideals. That's Catherine Butcher the author of a new book just out called Our Faithful Queen. She'll join us in a moment again to share how the Queen has leaned heavily on her faith in Jesus in challenging times throughout her life. And after that, we'll dig into God's Word to discover what the Bible says about the majestic clothing God promises to give all his children. Remember Jesus said that all of the splendor possessed by King Solomon didn't even compare to the majesty of God's glory found in the flowers of the field. So I want to look at what the Bible says about God's majesty and his glory and how he desires to dress his followers in lavish robes. But before we get to that, I want you to get a copy of our faithful queen, 70 years of faith and service. So many listeners all across North America have contacted us to get a copy of this unique book. And responses we've received have reminded me that Queen Elizabeth is loved and admired by so many around the world. Why do you think that's the case? I think it has much to do with her leadership style. She serves and loves her nation because Jesus loved and served her first. To quote Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth, God sent his only son to serve 
not to be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. In an era of growing secularism in the West, those words are extremely encouraging. And that's why I found our faithful queen so refreshing. She authentically shares her faith with the world through both action and also with words. After the program, I want you to have a copy of this book. It's a great read with colorful pictures, inspiring quotes, and remarkable stories about the Queen's faith in Jesus Christ. This book, I think, will inspire you to boldly proclaim Jesus where you live, where you live out your faith, and where you serve in your families, churches, workplaces, and the world. And you could only get it from us since we have a special order directly from the UK. You can't find it on Amazon or in a local bookstore. So after the program, call us. Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry. The number is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website, see a preview of the book. See how beautiful it really is, and then you can make your gift there at haventoday.org haventoday.org. And now, here's the Harding University and Dallas Christian Adult Concert Choirs with Majesty. The song was written by Jack Hayford in Los Angeles at Church on the Way. Majesty, but sung by two choirs from Texas, combining their voices here on this Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris and a program called God Save the Queen. Back with us on the program is author Catherine Butcher. She's put together this inspiring book called Our Faithful Queen. Catherine, when we started the program... We mentioned a bit about Elizabeth's family and the challenges we've seen over the years. It must be so hard for her with all these problems, the broken marriages, the scandals. How do you think she's dealt with it as a Christian woman? Well, back in 1978, uh, the, the Queen said in her Christmas broadcast, Christians have the compelling example of the life and teaching of Christ. And for myself... I would like nothing more than my grandchildren should hold dear to his ideals. And then in a year when three of her children's marriages broke down and Windsor Castle burned down with a a, a horrendous fire, in that year, which she called an Annus Horribilis in Latin, uh, she thanked people for praying for her and said how much their prayers had sustained her. 
And throughout her reign, she has asked for prayer. She thanked people for prayer, but she's also said that she's praying for us. So in lockdown, when we were all unable to meet and she talked about how people would just like a simple hug, she said that she was praying for us. So I assume she prays for her children. I can't make any assumptions on that one. Um, but she's someone who prayed for her children as she prepared for her coronation. She prayed for the family and their life together. And I'm sure she continues to pray for them. And yes, like anyone, she has had difficulties in the family. In that little book of private devotions, uh, Geoffrey Fisher talked about how she would have a crown of glory, but also a crown of thorns. And one mm. of those thorns perhaps is always being in the public eye always being in the media and the media want to see the scandal they want to see the brokenness <laughs> and the arguments but actually she's someone who has reached out in forgiveness and has said even to the more, more difficult members of the family you will always be much loved members of my family so there's someone who's a mother first and and yes a monarch mm. good to hear that is so good to hear. Thank, thank you for sharing that. I think we all needed to hear that. And that's an encouragement for all of us. If the queen can pray and pray her for her family and for her grandchildren, uh, that's, that's a good example. And she wants to be an example. All right, Catherine Butcher, or Kath, as your friends call you, and you're allowing me to call you too. What have I not asked you that I should have asked you? that you really wanted to tell me about the queen and maybe her faith or something else about her life that we might not know. And I haven't even asked you about our corgis. <laughs> well, we've <laughs> talked about a little bit about the coronation ceremony and that little book of private devotions. And one of the things that she reflected on at the beginning of that little book was that life is a journey to God. And one of the things that she was encouraged to, to reflect on was this, this sentence, the whole of life is a journey to God. Sometimes the Bible records special journeys undertaken for special purposes in answer to a call from God. Such will be my journey to Westminster. It will be undertaken in obedience to a call from God. So the Queen sees her role as something that is a calling. It's a vocation. And the coronation ceremony is very much like uh, the priesting, so that the robes, the uh, communion service that it's set in, these are all part of a Christian, um, they're all, the coronation is very much a Christian context held in an abbey. It's not just a crowning that's a, some kind of civic ceremony. This is very much a Christian service. And so she anticipated that. And I think one of the other things that stood out for me as I read that little book was that she talked about that that she was making these promises until her dying day. So many people talk about whether the Queen will abdicate or not in favour of mm. Prince Charles. Mm -hmm. She sees this as something that she's been called by God to do for all of her life, and she will seek to serve God until her dying day. Mm. Catherine Butcher, author of Our Faithful Queen. It has been a delight. Thank you for joining me on Haven today. Thank you, Charles. Haven Today, and day three in a series we're calling God Save the Queen. I'm Charles Morris, and I want us to talk about being clothed in the majesty of Jesus. When you think of majesty, what do you think about? 
Perhaps you think of a Disney movie, maybe a princess, maybe a king or a queen walking in long, flowing robes. When many modern people think of majestic clothing, if we thought about ourselves wearing it, our first thought might be, what a waste. We probably would prefer sturdy or modest clothing that'll last and doesn't look too showy something on the practical side. But in order to think of majesty, and especially majestic clothing, you have to picture another world with me for a moment. A world where you could tell someone's status by the way they dressed. It's actually not a world that's completely gone. There are places in the world still today, even in our world, where you can tell a person's office or their job based on what they wear. Think of a police officer wearing a uniform or a nurse or a doctor dressed in white or scrubs, judges sitting behind a bench in a long flowing black robe. All of this clothing tells us something about that person, except in one office. There is no uniform for our civil government. We expect politicians to dress up, but their clothing isn't any different than businessmen, lawyers, or many other professionals. But that wasn't always the case. The Bible comes to us from a world where rulers, civil authorities, dress the part. In First Chronicles, when we reach the apex of human kingship, how does the Lord describe Solomon? It's there in 1 Chronicles 29:25. The Lord highly exalted Solomon in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him royal splendor such as no king over Israel ever had before. We're talking about Queen Elizabeth of England this week, and I want to relate that, though, to our need for a different kind of king. They're celebrating Queen Elizabeth's 70-year reign and her 96th birthday this week. But 70 years ago, she prepared herself for a very significant event, a coronation. And with that came a very special kind of clothing. The gown she wore was the eighth choice after seven other designs weren't quite right. And even then, the final gown saw yet another alteration. It then took eight months to weave, sew, embroider, and add many embellishments. I know what you're thinking. This is so unlike where I live and in the country of which I'm a citizen. We don't think of clothing this way. But the reason the royal dressmaker, Norman Hartwell, took his job so seriously back in 1952 and 1953 was not because he wanted to show off Elizabeth but because he wanted to show off her office. He took royalty seriously, and so he painstakingly poured himself into his work. At that coronation ceremony for Queen Elizabeth II, she also received an imperial robe. Receive this imperial robe. The Lord your God endue you with knowledge and wisdom, with majesty and with power from on high. The Lord clothe you with the robe of righteousness and with the garments of salvation. God crown you with a crown of glory and righteousness that having a right faith, 
and manifold fruit of good works, you may obtain the crown of an everlasting kingdom by the gift of him whose kingdom endureth forever. Amen. The year was 1953. That's what it sounded like as broadcast by the BBC all across the world. Why all this pomp and circumstance? Well, I think this is an analogy and a picture of our relationship to Jesus and his majesty and the splendor of his beauty. On the coronation gown that Queen Elizabeth wore that day in 1953 was embroidered symbols from the nations she then served. The Tudor Rose, the Welsh Leek, the Scottish Thistle, the Irish shamrock, the Canadian maple leaf, the silver fern of New Zealand, many others. There was a connection between the actual clothing she was wearing and the nation she was serving as the new queen. And that's the connection that points us to Jesus. When the Apostle John turns to see Jesus in Revelation 1, here's the description in verse 13. Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The problem with descriptions like this is it frequently forces in us a sense of distance. When I was reading the description of the queen's robes or the description in Revelation 1 of Jesus' robes, did you feel a bit distant? Maybe you thought to yourself, I will never be dressed like that. In the book of Revelation, There's a split into two groups between those found naked and those found clothed in white robes. You know the difference? Some people have dressed themselves in pure white robes that have been given them by the Lamb who sits on the throne. Why did they deserve robes? And there's a simple answer. They didn't. Revelation 7 verse 14 describes those dressed in white. Listen to it. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Did you notice where the color comes from? The Lamb. And he's so pure that even his red blood washes the robes and makes them majestic, splendid, beautiful, even royal. These robes are the robes that prompt us to say, Your Majesty. When someone wears them, like Queen Elizabeth II, even though she's not my queen, we frequently live in fear that we will be found naked before the Lamb, that the God who graciously clothed others will forget to provide us with beautiful white robes to wear. That's not a fear we should entertain. Remember when Jesus compared King Solomon in all his splendor to the flowers of the field? Do you remember which was considered more majestic? You would expect the highest point of Israel's golden age of kings would be able to produce a robe that was more impressive than just some wildflowers that you could pick out in a field. But no, not right. The flowers neither work nor spin to make themselves beautiful, and yet it is the Lord who makes them majestically colorful and picturesque. And then the strong words that should remove our doubts. How much more, Jesus says, will the Lord clothe you? All this splendor of Christ has been offered to us. 
When we believe in him as our Savior and King, all the royal glory and robes that he possesses, he shares with us. And that is an amazing promise. So rest in your Savior King today. Remember, he dresses you more lavishly and richly than you could ever dress yourself, no matter how much money you had. He's worked harder than any weaver or royal seamstress could ever work. He's purified your clothing with the blood of the Lamb. You are beautiful, and you are loved.
St. Michael's Singers, Meekness and Majesty, a favorite song of mine written by Graham Kendrick. Well, all this week we've been thinking about the remarkable reign of Queen Elizabeth. I know Canadian friends of mine are joining in on the Platinum Jubilee celebrations this week since they're part of the Commonwealth. And I want to encourage those of us south of the 49th parallel to join in the merriment as well by getting a copy of this brand new book called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, like my wife and I were, at how bold this queen has been about her faith in Jesus through the years. And you'll also enjoy this colorfully laid out book with pictures, prayers, and quotes from Elizabeth over the past 70 years. I think your own faith will be encouraged by this insider's look at the faith of this queen. And a little note, our faithful queen can't be found on Amazon or your local bookstore. We have a special order, books coming straight from the UK, so call us right now for your copy. Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or check out some of the sample pages from A Faithful Queen. See for yourself how nicely laid out the pages are, and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. While you're there, take a listen to the extended interview we have with the author of Our Faithful Queen on our Great Stories podcast. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? But again, we'll be sharing together this great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Glory. It's a word we've all heard and said countless times. Our favorite sports team winning a trophy, that's glory. A beautiful summer steak sizzling on the grill, that's glorious. Maybe we use glory so much that it's lost its meaning. You know, in the Bible, the Lord of heaven and earth is described as glorious. Remember what happened when King Solomon dedicated the temple? When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. God is the glorious one, but the good news is we have access into his glorious presence because of Jesus Christ. Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit getanchor.com.